Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's prominent media. We'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, it certainly is powered by Media Stable, but it's also powered by Carmen Braidwood. Hello, Carmen Braidwood. Hi, Nick Hayes. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for having me. You've been on it. Not even, what are we, 70 <laughs> episodes in. Hey, um, it's good to be in the same studio together. Yeah. Can you sense a little bit more of the energy and the vibe? It Not- does help. It does, doesn't it? Mm. So here's a first tip to every expert that's running around out there. If you get a chance to go into the studio of a radio studio, do it. Do it. Yeah, you should. And I will be honest, over the years, uh, on the shows that I worked on, breakfast radio shows, we certainly, we, let's just say it was sometimes a deciding factor about whether or not we would put an expert on. Ooh, okay. If they're not prepared to come in, we kind of felt like they weren't giving it enough respect. Well, speaking as a journalist and as a producer and as, and as a broadcaster yourself, yeah. one of the biggest reports has been conducted. Mm-hmm. It was conducted last year, November 22, October, November. Uh, it was an insight into journalism and also to uh, PRs. Yeah. But asking journalists what's on their mind, what's making them tick. It's quite interesting. And it was put together by MediaNet and we are very fortunate to have the Managing Director, Amrita Sidhu, on the line. Hello, Amrita. How are you? I'm very well, Nick. Um, how are you? How are you coming? Yeah, good. Great to talk to you, Amrita. This is a massive study and uh, you've been telling us it's the first time you actually separated, separated out your data between what journalists have to tell you and PR professionals have to tell you. Why did you do that? Yeah, that's right. It is the first time that we've done that. So we surveyed anonymously over a thousand journalists during that October and November period. And for the first time ever, we also surveyed um, almost 300 PR professionals in, anonymously uh, in that same period. And I think it was really important for us this year to separate out that, um, to really get a deeper understanding of the state of the media landscape for both those types of professionals, those that, uh, you know, work on the tools from the editorial journalism perspective, but, you know, the other side of um, that balance, you know, the other stakeholders, which are those that are working in the PR and media intelligence and, and communications industries and ask them the same questions and see where the commonalities were, but also see where the differences were and, and what that means for all of us that work in this space. Oh, this is good. And I've gone through all the data myself. I loved your executive summary, but it wasn't enough for me, Amrita. I <laughs> needed to go deeper because it is very, very good. And can I just say from the outset how impressive it is to get over a thousand journalists mm. to respond. I, I, hard, I, I struggle sometimes to get them to answer my phone call. <laughs> just one of them, Amrita, just one. Yeah. Do you think that tells you something? Do you think journos are feeling like they want to be heard right now? Yeah, I do think uh, journos want to be heard. And, you know, it's, it's really nice, obviously, uh, for MediaNet to get that level of engagement within uh, the journalist ecosystem and, and for them to feel like um, their voice is being heard. I suppose we've been doing this for a couple of years now, or a number of years. So, you know, we, we have that level of engagement. Um, but uh, to your point there, Nick, about getting cut through with uh, journalists, there's some really 
key data in here in this report, which I'm, I'm sure we'll talk through over the course of the next little while about how to maximise your ability to get that engagement from the journalists or get them to respond to your call or respond to, you know, your email or listen to your pitch um, if you are a PR professional. So I think, uh, you know, getting that those responses back from uh, the journalists is just, you know, a wealth of meaning and value for all well, of us. Certainly a lot of wealth and meaning and, and value there because for a thousand, I mean, that is a, a decent pool uh, of journalists to get it back from. I, I noticed that from the data and everything was anonymous, of course, but uh, a lot from uh, the print media, but mainly from electronic media. So that would have, what, obviously the websites and the online platforms of the media houses were probably more predominant than coming down to print media, radio and television was a little less. It, was it the digital media that was more keen to, to actually respond to this? Yeah, I think, you know, you're absolutely right. Um, 64-odd percent of respondents worked in digital media. Um, so that was our largest group and, and they are keen to respond. But I think, you know, the nature of the kind of convergence in media um, over the last couple of years Arguably, um, some of those respondents are working in digital. Their content is appearing in print. Possibly, mm. you know, they're doing a radio interview as well, or they're producing mm. a podcast on behalf of their media house. Yeah, so, you bet um, they you are. Know, there is that diverse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. All... Like um, the la- two lovely people I'm speaking to <laughs> today. So, yeah. Well, it, it 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 is reflective of the times, and I think just yeah. the way that the media yeah, landscape has changed. Um, yeah. You know, we are. Yeah. One, it, there was only what twenty five years ago. It was strictly newspaper, yeah. radio, and get home for the six o'clock news. And you're a person who was kind of yeah. a specialist in in one of those. But these days, yeah, one you've got format. a lot yeah. more people who are doing a little bit of everything for one major broadcasting house or one media and company. I, yeah, yeah, Carmen. I think that really speaks to you know one of the key um, stats on the report around journalists was um, a major challenge that they're experiencing when it comes to burnout. And we had 72% of journos say they'd experienced burnout in their media work. And I think, you know, that's reflective of obviously needing to, um, in a resource kind of crunched industry, needing to produce content that's suitable across multiple platforms and engages audiences across multiple platforms. But the journalists are, you know, increasingly challenged from a burnout perspective and time poor and the way we need to be kind of communicating with them has got to adapt as a result. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think a lot of listeners here will be going, oh, I'm glad the journalists are experiencing burnout as well as much as I'm feeling it or (laughs) it's across all industries. But I would imagine, Amrita, that the kind of pressure that is on and and especially coming out of those COVID period, that COVID time where Mm. they've been under even more pressure because they probably haven't even been around their colleagues as much. They've been working from home. They've been doing a whole other, you know, uh, other hurdles have been put in front of them. To, to achieve their job. Did that come out of the report? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the main um, challenges and issues that the report highlighted um, was um, the element around that burnout factor. And most of the respondents noted the reasons behind that being overworked, um, underpaid and short-staffed, tight deadlines, feeling undervalued, covering difficult news stories, um, you know, including things like floods, war, COVID, mm. the cost of living increased, you know, for the first time that really came out as a very strong theme about the impact of, um, you know, the rising costs 
um, and how that hits all of our hip pockets. So, you know, there's a number of reasons there um, that have, have really surfaced through this data about what's impacting this industry. I've taken a look at your article on LinkedIn, Amrita, about your personal key takeaways from this. And one of the headlines for you was around journalists choosing not to publish something they believe to be true for Mm. fear of getting caught out with defamation. Can you talk to us a bit about that? Yeah, and look, I think this is a really important topic um, yeah. for, for our industry and, you know, an area for, I think, very important um, debate as well. So we had 98% of respondents. I mean, I think that's as close Ooh. to 100% as you can ever get yeah. on a survey, right? Um, yeah. Saying that, um, you know, the defamation laws and public interest journalism has been threatened in 2022 and almost half, so just to touch on 49%, said that they were withholding from publishing information that they know to be true because of some fear of um, defamation uh, action to, uh, you know, their their organisation. And I think that that means that, um, you know, there's probably a lot of very interesting, great content that's crossing the desks of journalists or that, you know, PRs and brands are put, and organisations and associations are putting in front of them. But, um, you know, the public interest factor that comes through in this year's report, which is a bit unprecedented as compared to a few other years, um, you know, is, is really interesting, really insightful, and um, I think really speaks to the state of the mindset within um, the media community at the moment. I think I think that statistic and that data there is the most frightening thing that I got from the whole report. And a little purely for the Exactly. Fact, purely for the fact that, you know, we hope that we mm. have a free press. We hope that we have journalists that can hold governments to account or businesses to account. Yeah. And I know, and I know, I, I, look, I've spoken to many a journalist and I've communicated some very sometimes sensitive material yeah. to, to journalists because, you know, you've got to be careful. And the way that they deal with it, so I can back that statistic up. Yeah, they are, and they are so mindful, and and rightly so to a degree. Well, they are, yeah. But also, look, remember, if they're working for a large media organisation, they should have excellent on-staff counsel, right? L- lawyers, yeah. But they work for them. But they're also to the the people that we got lost. They got lost in the cutbacks, and yeah. the, you know, there's a little bit less of that. But I think you know that. But even fearful, and they're at the a journalist stage. I yeah. I find that to be the biggest take out of this report because I agree. It, it really does. Um, I think we need to empower our journalists and our media to be able to speak freely uh, and and hold governments and organisations and businesses to account. Of course they should. But but also to be mindful that they've got to do it fairly as well. Yeah, and I think that if they've got effective legal counsel on their team, which they should at the top level, you know, you should have a really great lawyer that you should be able to call. You yep. should be able to, you know, a junior journalist even, writing digital copy, should be able to pick up the phone and go, hey, I'm not too sure about this, or send an email and get a really timely response from their team to say, hey, you're okay here, leave this, this and this out, yep. and then get it out there. You know, that, and that says to me there's a lack of support or a lack of knowledge of the support network that you have within your organisation. And Amrita, that did come yeah, out in the think- report, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And, and I think really great um, takeaways there and, and discussion point there you're making about you know, internal support and internal resourcing. And I think the other factor I'd um, say perhaps overlays this is now the increasing use of social platforms um, by journalists, like yep. in a professional sense, right? 
also um, we've seen comparing our data, you know, over the last three to four years that journalist professional use of those social platforms has been um, significantly increasing, not just as a source for, for media and for stories and for, you know, context, which, which I'm sure we'll touch on later, but just, you know, them using it and in particular professional use around TikTok and Reddit has just gone through the roof, mm. right? And I think when we put ourselves on those social platforms under a professional scenario, yeah. we do expose ourselves. Um, and, you know, that, that whole piece there, so we're widening the exposure and we're perhaps coming to your point, not aware or don't have um, the level of guidance that perhaps we know exists within our business if, if we're a mid-level or a junior, you know, level journalist. And, you know, I think you layer on those elements and, um, you know, people, people are risk averse. For I've, sure. I've just jumped onto TikTok, and I can assure you, it's not—it's a tough platform to really welcome, Nick. Well, thank you. But <laughs> it's also—I can understand from the from a media house's perspective, yeah. also the fact that you put at risk your brand with the the journalists or any yeah. individual that's working for you when they put that kind of content out. And a lot of journalists have entered into that mm. uh, influencer space as well. Yeah, uh, and Spot on. Yeah. and brand risk. Brand risk here is important. They've got to be mindful, and I think that that might be the little bit of tug of war that's going on. They've got to understand, if you put anything out there, you are not just affecting your personal brand, you're affecting your business brand as well. You are. You represent the organisation no matter what, don't you, at the end of the day. And I just think it's very important that journalists at all levels and, and representatives, broadcasters, whoever, understand that they've got legal support and they should seek it mm. because the best defence of defamation is the truth. Yep. But if you don't feel like yep. your organisation is going to support you on that, if you don't have people who are saying, all right, well, we're going to put the PI onto this person and find out whether or not this is the truth, yep. you know, then this is, I think, what they're saying, that they're an under-resourced organisation. And that's a problem. If we've got these big columns of ownership over multiple different kinds of platforms, where's the where's the resources to support the journos? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you your point there about the resourcing, and I think I touched on that uh, a little bit earlier, is one of the common um, issues around burnout is about that being overworked and short staffed, and you know the resourcing challenges that have hit the media sector um, in the last you know um, four or five years as well. So they're all kind of key aspects that are all I think leading to this really strong um, you know data that's coming out regarding the impact on on public interest um, journalism. And um, Nick, when you get your head around TikTok, please you know shoot a few tips my way as well. Want to mind that? I tell you what, it is it is a lot of fun though. It's I've wonderful. got I've got to say it's yeah, a lot it of fun and you can you quickly get onto it but um, I tell you what it is it's a bit of a vortex for time it because is. you start watching others and you go oh my god father but let's let let yeah. us not digress here we we've got a fair bit to get through and before I go through your five executive points that you've got there Amrita there was one other glaring uh, statistic and that piece of data that came out of those that you surveyed um, I'm talking around the diversity and other. Let's not talk yeah. about uh, uh, wages and salary, etc. We can come into that a little later. Mm. But I did notice that of the journos that you did survey, quite a large Australian-born, a lot English. So that sort of English came in around the ten percent, Scottish around four percent, but not a lot of diversity. I think from Asia or around that is is. Is our media controlled, and I'm not going to say, you know, white, uh, Anglo-Saxon type style media, but it, mm. is it very much in that space or do, how much diversity do we have in the Australian media landscape? 
Yeah, so um, it's really interesting because this came through probably more in terms of the comments that um, we received, the anonymous comments um, that, you know, supported some of the database questions uh, saying that, um, you know, overwhelmingly when, when we looked at those comments and analysed them, um, responses were indicating that more diverse hiring is needed, yep. particularly at, you know, management, at board, at senior editorial, senior journalists. Um, kind of levels, and and I found that very interesting because you know what you what you've outlined there in terms of the demographic or the di- diversity cultural makeup um, is what our data reflected, and yeah. I'd like to think that you know it's um, statistically representative of um, the larger um, you know journalist pool in Australia. Um, so yeah, um, not as much diversity as I think we should be seeing. Now, obviously, there are certain media houses certain um, publications that would be more diverse than others. Mm. But I, I suspect with some of the larger and the more leading ones, um, there needs to be more done in this space. And I really like that sentiment of that were coming out through the comments yeah. about you have to not just start at the grassroots level, like at the, you know, the, the journalists that are graduating from J school and things like that. You also have to start at the leadership level of, of these organisations. Mm. Yeah. And that that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because there's still a do your time, get the job attitude in the industry and unlike maybe other industries we don't tend to cherry pick great people and bring like parachute them in um to Mm. these senior level roles in the media you kind of have to be there from the beginning and if you there aren't pathway pathways that support a diverse group of people to come through Mm. then they simply won't make it to the the top there just has to be high representation though and i think that's where the media houses whether they can't cherry pick them but then find them not necessarily too early but Bring them in mm. um, and different ages yeah. as well and also to men and women. You know, yeah. and, and men are over, over uh, oh, yeah. recognised here uh, over that of women and we'll, that sort of reflects obviously in the salary findings there as well. And Rita, oh my, we've got a lot here to get through. I love the first point that you've made. Uh, from the executive summary, it remains incredibly important to build strong journalist relationships, contacts, and continue to use press releases to achieve that all uh, that all important earned media press releases still have their day, don't they? They absolutely do, right? And when we looked at the data about what are the sources, um, you know, the key sources um, for uh, news stories. So the number one um, was, you know. Uh, industry and professional contact, but that was 90% of respondents said, um, you know, they use that as a source. And then 86% of journalists surveyed, 86% of that thousand plus journalists surveyed said that they that they use press releases yep. as um, a top story source. I mean, that's pretty phenomenal. And that's actually an increase in the number of journalists, 4% increase in the number of journalists who are using press releases as a story source compared to just last year. So absolutely, you know, the press release remains a really key part of the news media cycle, but there's some other great findings from the report about what we can do with that press release, how we articulate, you know, our stories and how we pitch to the media that can improve the effectiveness of, you know, all efforts that are going into producing that press release. Now, we can back that up, and mm. from a media stable perspective, from our event, Meet the Media, where when we ask journalists 
is the press release still alive? Mm. It's resounding yes. yes. It's a resounding yes. Yeah. They use it in different ways. Some use it in, you know, sort of as just reflection or to look back. But as far as data or information, yeah. I think the key behind it, and I noticed it is in your report here, uh, Amrita, is that we've got to get smarter with our press releases yeah. as well. And I think this is where yeah. probably yeah. a good chance here to dive into that one yeah. because it is yeah. about that reverse, isn't it? Get to the point. Get to the point because journalists don't have time. You've got to get breakthrough. You want to be almost in that subject line, that first sentence. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we were talking um, about this concept of an inverted pyramid for press releases, making sure, you know, important eye-catching information is at the top. And so while 86% of uh, journalists are using press releases as a story source, uh, 70% of them said that they read less than a paragraph of that press release before <laughs> deciding if the story is worth pursuing. Because it goes back to, and you, you know, please tell me your opinion on this, because I feel it goes back to that burnout issue, time Correct. for resource yeah. crunch, that kind of thing. And they don't have the time to read all the way through. And they do get a lot of press releases in their inboxes, right? We've yeah. heard this. I know, Nick, you, you hear this at your events and um, you hold as well. So they are crunched. We've got to be eye-catching at the start. So it's an important source for them, but let's make sure we don't kind of bury the lead in inverted Ooh. commas. Yeah, and which adds a whole lot of pressure to anyone constructing a press release. The other thing I'll, I'll say, the, the insight here is, right, number one, professional contacts as a, res- a source for stories, followed by press yeah. releases. Now, if your press if your press release comes from one of your professional contacts, you're going to trust it more readily. And as the one who receives them, that was definitely my thinking, right? So you, you yeah. must hire the right person or if you're bootstrapping, be in contact with a journalist months, years before Correct. you then send that important press release, right? Because it's, it's yeah. a combination of the two that really achieves success along with nailing that first paragraph, right? So there's a lot of other – there's contributing factors and they all kind of feed into each other when it comes to getting a press release right. Absolutely, and being that – trusted um, source being, you know, uh, someone that you've built a relationship with um, over the years, that, you know, ultimately an outcome, maybe that's how some of those issues around public interest journalism get addressed, you know, when you have a relationship, you are a reliable source into the media as an expert. Um, Mm. The information and content you're sharing carries, you know, more weight. Um, You've built yourself up. You've got a public profile. And maybe there's there's the the, the, the media organisation from a risk profile recognises that there's low risk attached to your information or your press release. And, um, you know, then, yeah, let's run with this story, as it were. I just want to just tap, go back a couple of steps just with the press release and getting those words right because, you know, we talk about it, we harp on about it, we see it and hear it at Meet the Media, but we also know, and to the very point that you've been making here, Amrita, here is that journalists, are they're, they're stressed. They're, they're, they don't have a lot of time. And if there's one thing that everyone listening here today can do is really focus on getting that first part of your press release or any communication out there straight to the point. Um, you know, you know, we did a, yeah. we, we did this English. I, I did English in Richmond back at uh, school and, and did a lot of English lit, etc. Yeah. This is not English lit. This is not a, not a Shakespearean Shakespearean piece of yeah. documentation <laughs> literature here. This is. Get straight to the point. Get a four by four and smack that journalist in the head with the story. 
Very quickly, but very early. The difficulty early. is in deciding what the point is, and that's where a bit of tailored thinking needs to come in, right? Yes. Think about the audience that, that your journalist is writing for. Your main point might be completely different to that journalist's main point. You really need to think like yeah. the audience, don't you, Amrita? Yeah, Carmen, and, and the report findings really show that because the story content or the news hook um, came out as more important about whether the story was positive or negative or, you know, whether good news genera- is going to generate the engagement from um, the journalists or something more bad or controversial. So it was really about um, the news hook, the angle and the relevance of the story to the person you're pitching to or to, you know, the the journalist or the media organisation as well. Now, I love this one because I think you were about to tap into this a little earlier. This is around leveraging social media to further enhance your media connections, but also to find yes. a way to repurpose your press release and content into form- formats for social. Mm. Find different ways to put it out there. Mm-hmm. You just can't put it out on the email, can you? You've got to find different ways to do it. Yeah, so, you know, in, uh, we, we've just talked about how relevant the press release still is, how important pitching still is, um, but it's not the only way to reach the journalists that email in that traditional pitch. I think, as I mentioned, the professional use of social media um, platforms has really been increasing, and now 97% odd use social media in, in their media work. With This, is to me, was also a really standout stat. Mm. 76% of respondents using it as a story store. Mm. And Facebook um, remains the most used social platform, but Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Reddit, TikTok, they're all catching up pretty fast. So the journos are on social for work, both personal profile uh, building work as well as media um, stories, content sourcing work. So they're on there. Um, we know it's hard to sometimes get cut through with the P, um, you know, from a PR perspective via the inbox or via the phone call. So let's find those journals on another platform where they're actively scouring for content. But, you know, it's not just the press release, you know, verbatim put out on social. There's a particular style of content that works really well on social, visual led or, or video led. And we've got all that content in our press release. We're sending that over email. So let's, you know, repurpose that and let's get that in the right format onto these platforms and, you know, broaden our reach and our ability to get earned media pickup. Love it. You know, and it's really just borrowing the old, you know, seven marketing touch points thing, right? You just want to be as multi-platform as you can with the Mm. same message because your journo is your ideal customer, right? And they're scrolling, they're doing the same thing everyday people are. Think about their human behaviour. If they see it in their inbox and then they see it in their social feed and then they see a video of the CEO saying the same thing, suddenly their perception of trust and belief in the story increases and they go, yeah, this is a thing I need to cover. And you just don't know when it's going yeah. to tap in either, you know. And that's like, and even today on the plane coming to Perth, uh, Calms, I was, I did an Instagram post that went on to LinkedIn, that went on to TikTok, that went over to Twitter, and it was just like it's the same content, just packaged up a little differently mm. for that market and for that audience. And can I just say before we finish off on this topic, um, you know, communicating, connecting with journalists, well. Just overnight, I connected with Jenna Clark from the front page on Sky. Yeah. I used to do a little regular gig with her. And I went, well, since I've moved to Adelaide, I just dropped her a little line, just a direct message on Twitter and just said, hey, mate, I'm, I'm in Adelaide now. If you want an Adelaide correspondent, you've got one. Came back straight away. If Brilliant. I sent an email, 
Yeah, true. I might not get a yeah. response. Yeah. Well, Jenna's a millennial you like go. yourself. That's where they're hanging out, aren't they, Amrita? Yeah, absolutely. Proof point. Um, great, great to share there, Nick. And yeah, I mean, you know, let's let's get our um, stories um, told in um, the most impactful way. But let's, you know, on the way through, make sure that we put so much effort as PR professionals, as communication experts, to craft that press release, right, and to yeah. put the right um, media assets. It. So let's not just send it out once, right? Let's let's do broad and let's also do targeted. And both, you know, the traditional platforms as well as social platforms allow you to do that. I think the last message that you've got here for us, Amrita, is a really important one for all brands, for all experts, for all business owners, for all PRs out there. It's one thing to have the data. It's another thing to be able to interpret and actually tell the yep. story and the narrative around it. A little like we're doing here today, Carms. Yeah. We've read the data, we're interpreting it, and we're getting it from the, the very source uh, herself. But um, you've got to put more effort into that. You've got to find out how to tell that story well and make it, you know, make it uh, so that it works with the audience at the other end. That, that was a really important message that came out of the data there for, for journalists and for, for, to tell brands, hey, guys, do a little bit of the work for us. Tell your story better. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, so imagine this scenario. Let, let me paint it for you. Um, so you're a PR professional. You've done all the hard work crafting. It's really strong inverted pyramid. Um, release. You listen to Nick Amrita and Carmen, and you've done that. You know, you've used some best of breed um, media contacts and um, you know a, a distribution that's both very targeted as well as well as some one on one pitching and some social media. Um, you know, broad awareness piece as well. Um, and you've built this relationship with the journos. But what does success look like, right? And how do we measure that? And is success um, earned media pickup? You know, absolutely. But is it about measuring it as a combination of the amount of coverage a story received as well as the sentiment of the coverage, right? And in, in my opinion, in, in, you know, everything we live in, um, breathe at MediaNet, we believe that there are really impactful success measures that we'd love to see the industry use more of. So look at things like context, sentiment, prominence, and also the light and the shade because the data can tell you a lot, but also what is the lack of data? What is the lack of pickup or the lack of earned media actually tell you? Um, so you're understanding that light in the shade. So as you said, Nick, exactly like what we've been doing on this particular conversation and that we're aiming to do via the media landscape report is look at the data, understand what success looks like, but give it context, give it yeah. that deeper meaning um, rather than just, oh, great, I got pickup and, you know, I got 300 clips. But what was the sentiment of those 300 clips? Or what if the prominence was low and your competitor was mentioned all the time or you didn't get your key message cut through? So I think it's really important for us to continuously look at what earned media success actually is. I love that. I love that because it is the storytelling side of it. And if you can't measure it, what, how can you improve? Mm. And also, too, have Absolutely. you achieved your goals? I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, you've, you've invested in all of this, but, you know, to what point? Yeah. And that measurement, I think, you know, it's in, it's I guess it's that business intelligence, that media intelligence that you can get to improve what you're doing moving forward or learn from the mistakes that you've made. It, it might not be the best report that comes out, but at least know that and at least know where you mm. might have gone wrong. Yeah. Um, it gives you the ROI that everyone's asking well, for. Well, it's the gutsiest question to ask. Where can I improve? What can I do better? Yeah. 
And and I think a lot yeah. of us don't tend to do that. No. And that I, I think this applies and read it probably more so for big business. I don't think the small businesses or even micros out there are, are necessarily in there. Is it is this kind of insight uh, analysis available to everyone? Yeah, you know, actually it it is available to everyone because if you're getting um, media pickup or if you're sending out press releases and you're getting some media activity, even if it's a small amount, I think understanding exactly what you're saying, what the sentiment is of the coverage, what the prominence is, um, what worked, what didn't, and that's why I talk about that concept of light and shade, right? What does what does data not tell you? Um, there's a lot of um, actions we can we can be taking. Carmen, I also love your point there about ROI. Um, mm. You know, one of the harder things in this whole media intelligence and communication space is um, sometimes proving the return around all the efforts that we put into PR and and having some really nice success metrics that are beyond just, hey, I got this pickup. I think that's really important for the health of the industry, you know, for the ongoing growth of the industry as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. These are vulnerable departments that through tough times like we've just experienced really can face the knife. So it's it's important to remind people of the value and the value to yeah. do it when things are going well as well as when things are doing you know, a little more poorly. Oh, when we're reporting, you have to demonstrate your success. Yeah. And, you know, I can go in into any boardroom and say, look, did this, did that. But, you know, that's my personal touch on it. You think have that. an outside partner to do that and actually and analyse all the elements yeah. and, and, and really work out that yeah. uh, result. Hey, and Rita, we're not even going to get a chance to get near the PR. So you know what? You, what you have just done here is the classic um, PR activity oh, of, of getting bait us, and hook. Yeah, getting us invited back for another episode because <laughs> I think we just focus on the PR for, for, another, for another run. Is that, is that going to work okay for you? Yeah, that's absolutely going to work okay for me. Yeah, and I'd like to think, uh, you know, we, we started off with the strengthening our first paragraph um, of, of this particular conversation. So, yeah, it was like absolute pleasure to, to talk to you both and would love the opportunity to do a bit more of a deep dive on, you know, the PR side of it as well and where we can drive out some more value for those listening and, and that are working in the PR comms and, and media space. Well, I'd encourage everyone to, to touch base, look up MediaNet, uh, look up Amrita and mm. and find that. Now, Amrita, where do we find the report? Because you've delivered there on LinkedIn. Is it, is it, is it best to come through via you or go via MediaNet? Yeah, look, the report's absolutely accessible via our website, Um free to download. There's no cost. You don't need to put any details. There's, there's, a, there's a button there um, on the MediaNet site and you can access the report. You can access both versions of the report because there is, as I said, that report um, with the journalist angle and then there's the report, um, you know, more tailored towards the PR and communications <laughs> professionals. So on our website, yeah. You're going to have all the PRs now jumping on because they're going, oh, what did the PR report say? Exactly. We didn't even get a chance to talk <laughs> about it. Juicy stuff. We'll give everyone a chance to start buzzing and then we'll come back and do another potty. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Fantastic. Likewise, likewise. Well, and Rita, thanks for joining us on the Experts Podcast. Without any doubt, this is probably a report that all who are looking to communicate with the media mm. to just to tap in, improve yourself, educate yourself about what is going on. And it might not just be your story. Your story just needs a little bit of work on, but also to understand what it's like as a journalist mm. on the other end, what they're going through. Because when you understand all of that, 
you know, you're improving your chances of telling your story well. And I, I, I think that that's, that's critical. And it's not always about the fact that you put, you know, you send an email and there's nothing, you get crickets. Yeah. There's probably something else going on at the other end. Totally. Excellent. And Rita, thanks again for joining us. That's Anne Rita from, from MediaNet and uh, some great insights. Uh, the show notes, in the show notes, the report link will be there as well. But head over to MediaNet, check it out. Uh, they're doing some great things over there. Mm. Well, we'll look forward to having your company next week, Carms, because, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been very rare since we've been able to sit back in the studio again. I know. It's nice to do so. And uh, we'll talk to another media or another expert. We'll talk to you then. Ta-da. You've been listening to the Experts Podcast, powered by Media Stable. If you'd like to get in contact with the team, head to mediastable.com.au.